You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Yeah, so it's it's a really cool thing to be a part of, and it, it's one of those things that it pushes me to be a bit creative with things. Like it's nowadays, it, it's hard to be creative. It's hard to put out a, a an original fly. Yeah. You know, everything's a, a variation on something else. But you know, there's there's lots of people out there that you you know you see a post and uh, on Instagram or you name the 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 social media platform and and you go oh you know why didn't I think of that. And that's, that's part of the thing that's cool with Chinook wins is everybody kind of, it's kind of a family, like everybody helps each other and everybody, you know, you can bounce ideas off people with, without any judgment. And, um, it was, you know, it was kind of funny how I, I, I got to be with Chinook wins. I, since I'm out of cell service, I'll, I'll, you know, I miss calls all the time. Every time I go, you know, I hit service, I've got a bunch of voicemails on that. And I had a voicemail from Susan and, uh, she said, you know, call me back. And I, I, I hadn't really seen with her or anything like that. I obviously had ordered, you know, hundreds of dollars of fly tying material from her <laughs> and that sort right. of thing. But, um, you know, I, I called her, I called her right back and just had a conversation and she offered me, uh, um, a chance to, to be with the, the junior pro team. And, and I thought that was a really cool opportunity and like something that, you know, I wasn't, I'm not looking for any, uh, fame or anything from from fly tying. This is just my hobby, and but it, it's cool to be a part of. And then, um, yeah. you know, you get some of the best tires around with Chinook wins. I mean, I know you know that, but yeah. it's just it's cool to be a part of that, and and it, it's humbling, and and it um, you know for those people who are you know trying to get good at fly tying, getting. To be a part of something like that is is something that uh, yeah. I don't I don't take it lightly. I definitely try to put out a solid fly every month and and promote their business because it is an amazing business too. And it's hard for for fly shops and and people right now, suppliers right now. Welcome to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Really happy you chose to join us today. And we are going to head out to a beautiful part of the world. We're going to head out to Kananaskis, Alberta, Canada. We've got Adam Arnell on the line. Now, Adam is um, pro staff with uh, Chinook Wind Outfitters, avid fly tire. He spends a lot of time chasing fins in Alberta. Uh, Big time fly fisher, climber, loves his craft beer. Something tells me we got a lot, a lot of ground we can cover. Adam, thanks for coming on the podcast tonight. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So, so 
I always like to start at the beginning, man. We we got to kind of figure out where this passion for all things, you know, flies and fly fishing started. Walk us through your journey. How, how did you come to discover fly fishing? Yeah, so, I mean, I think like a lot of people, I was, you know, I'm kind of from a family that's always had some sort of fishing, right? You know, right. whether it's, you know, my, my family's in Chilliwack and then, you know, we've played around on the Vetter and the Fraser and, you know, fishing for salmon and those sort of things. But um, in terms of fly fishing, um, the the one thing that, that, that's been kind of a constant since I was six years old was a, a May long weekend fishing trip that, uh, and this has been going on before I was alive as well. Um, that we do, it's an all guys weekend, every May long weekend, except for the last two because of COVID. But, um, Hmm. and that's sort of where I first, you know, was, was, uh, introduced to it. And, you know, I caught my first fish on a fly on that trip and, you know, trolling a leech or something like that. I think it was up at Pasco Lake and, um, that's how I got my, you know, my start. And then from there, you know, it's just been it wasn't something that um i did a lot of in my younger years right but um you know in my kind of my early 20s i i moved up here to alberta and and you know it was close to the bow river and a bunch of the little cutthroat streams and started really getting into that and that kind of reignited the fire if you will and then i started tying flies and it was kind of all over from there <laughs> yeah i i hear that um if you had to look back and say, okay, um, this is who kind of nurtured my fly fishing. This is who I kind of maybe used as a mentor. This is who I kind of learned from. If you had to name a couple of names, um, who's helped you along the way? I mean, it goes back to the whole May long weekend thing is everybody on that trip is, is, you know, we're, we're, we're there to fish, but we're also there to just have a good time. And, and, you know, some of these people I, I only get to see once a year, and we we certainly don't uh, waste any time. So all the guys on the on the trip um, would be sort of, you know, mentors and that too. Um, you know, my dad, my papa, uh, my uncle Mark, all these people they're, they're you know, instrumental in in my my life in terms of you know keeping me on the straight and narrow and <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, one of the other guys on the trip lives in the lower mainland mike ingles i think he was one of the first guys i saw coronamid fishing mm. you know and it's kind of like what's and he's he's always you know he's always doing really well yeah i know <laughs> that name somehow you know, yeah you might yeah huh. so he i think he's part of some of the fly tying clubs in that in that lower mainland there and you know i am a bc boy i'm not from alberta so that's funny because there's a lot of people from Alberta in BC. So you went the other way. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I kind of came up here. Um, well, I started working at a place called Yemniska Mountain Adventures. They they run you know guided climbing and and that sort of thing all over yeah. uh, the Rockies. And I started working there. And through that, I met some people who had ins with Alberta Parks and ended up getting a job with Alberta Parks and. You know, the rest is history. So obviously you spend a lot of time outdoors. What exactly are you doing for, for uh, Alberta Parks? Yeah, so it's, um, 
it's kind of different seasonally, but in the, the spring and summer, I'm doing trail maintenance. So mm-hmm. we've got in, in the park I'm in, we've got, uh, I think it's over 500 kilometers of, of trail that we maintain. Uh, now that's cross country ski trail, biking trails, hiking trails, backcountry campgrounds, things like that. Right. So it's quite a bit of, it's quite a bit of ground to cover and quite a bit of work, but I mean, it's, it's one of the best jobs ever. <laughs> well, that, that is a beautiful part. I mean, you've got the Rockies, you've got the beautiful creeks and streams and rivers, and I'm sure you got lots of great still water, uh, lots of grizzly bears. I know, I know that, uh, probably bear spray is not never too far away for you. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's very few things like I go pretty light some days at work with, you know, I, I might be carrying chainsaws and stuff like that. So I, I tend not to bring too much stuff, but bear spray and a radio because there's no cell service here uh, <laughs> is pretty much a staple every day. Well, I had to laugh when, when you, when we first started chatting because you're like, well, I, that, there's no cell service here. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> okay. Let's, let's use Skype. Yeah. Do you have Wi-Fi? <laughs> It's only like 20 minutes out of service, but it's far enough that you kind of, I like it. You kind of disconnect a little bit and oh, yeah. I talk to the people I want to talk to and, and it's, yeah, it's awesome. You can work that in your favor big time. Oh yeah. And, and then not to mention, I'm, like I said, I'm 25 minutes away from a bunch of different uh, little cutthroat streams that also have some big bull trout in it. And nice. it's a, it's a wicked area. I want to take some time to get to know your area. Are you ready for a few random questions? Absolutely. Let's talk music. So when you get in your truck and you're headed to your favorite uh, stretch of river, what is playing on the stereo? Probably depends on who I'm with, but like my my playlists are all over the place. It's like yeah. classic rock, 80s rap, all that stuff, like um a lot of podcasts if i'm if i needed you know if i'm going say in that edmonton area where it's you know two hours away i'll probably put a podcast on and then try to learn something on the drive <laughs> you know that's mm-hmm. kind of how i get a lot of my info and then yeah. you know i listen to podcasts about all sorts of stuff right so yeah what let's talk about that what kind of podcast do you listen to i mean is it pretty diverse like your music yeah absolutely you know like you know, a lot of the fishing ones, if I want to know something like I want to learn about check nymphing or something, I'll probably go on the Orvis podcast and, yeah. you know, find a bunch of episodes about that or something like that. Sure. Um, you know, I follow a few comedians and things like that and who have podcasts and listen to their podcasts, stuff to laugh at while you're driving, that sort of thing. And, sure. um, you know, health and wellness type stuff too. So, uh, huh. Joe Rogan. Yeah. No Joe Rogan. Yeah. Listen to Rogan. Yeah. yeah. I, I listen to the show once in a while. But I uh, it's funny. The the nice thing about podcasts is whoever you like listening to, you can scroll through and go, Okay, this this guest looks interesting or doesn't and you can kinda hop around, not like the old radio days where you just kinda listen to whatever happens to be on. I, I think it's such a such a versatile platform. I really do. Yeah, and there's literally a, a podcast about everything. Exactly. No, exactly. You you could find out about check nymphing on Alberta streams. Not you know what I mean. Like you you can really dial yeah. it in, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So where do you go, Adam, to 
talk fly fishing. So when you're not on the water, is there like a coffee shop or a brew pub or, you know, a watering hole, somewhere you go to get your fix and talk fishing when you're not fishing? So, I mean, like the closest fly shop for me is an hour away. So I'm not, not necessarily driving an hour to go talk with the guys at the fly shop. Not that I, you know, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it past myself to do that, but um, you know, for me, a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of fly tying, you know, videos on YouTube, a lot of um, taking in a lot of content that way. Um, yeah. And, you know, during the pandemic here, me and a few buddies have been kind of hopping on FaceTime and tying some flies, having a couple beers, catching up, yeah. that sort of thing too. So sure. that's the one benefit about technology these days is you can you know you're only a phone call away from anybody yeah and that facetime is great i mean instagram live you can do so much stuff now and it's like you say that you can always kind of be connected as long as you got a wi-fi and a little wi-fi service you know you can reach out to your buds right whether or not you have cell service is another story yeah for sure i mean being an hour away from the closest fly shop too i I tend to spend a little bit more time in the shop when I'm there. So yeah, that's like me too. I'm like I'm like an hour away from the nearest fly shop. I, there, there's a shop that sells flies, and but it's a hunting, it's a bow hunting store, uh, really. And and I'm the same. It's like uh, when I go there, get ready because I'm gonna be in there for a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah sure. And, and for me, like I walk into a fly tying section somewhere, like maybe at like Fishtails Fly Shop in Calgary there or something and i'm like i'm like oh i haven't seen this before oh i haven't seen this you know and then you know i'm starting to add the things up in my hand and i'm like oh i gotta i might have to put some of this stuff back this is this is going to be expensive (laughs) like yeah there goes that 300 bucks yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah i hear you on that um if if you had to talk about patterns let's say you're chasing cutties in your area What's one go-to fly pattern that you cannot live without? Jeez. Um, chasing cutties in those streams, it's pretty fun. They're, I mean, they're not always super picky, right? But for me, something like a, a Pat's rubber legs stone fly, something like heavily weighted gets down really quick mm-hmm. right into the zone, that sort of thing. Um, I, I mean, I have a lot of confidence in that fly, so I fish it a lot, but... Um, and that that seems to work, you know, throughout the throughout the summer. But another one for the for the cutty streams are the ones near me. Just just a plain old elk hair caddis. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Cutties can't know, even. Re- I know what you mean. They're not. I don't want to say they're not fussy, but you float something by them that looks buggy. You know, they're probably going to go for it. Yeah, exactly. As long as you you know you. Your, your tip it's the right diameter and you, there's not too much drag like if it looks fairly natural they're probably going to go for it but you know and i i tie those caddises too with just just straggle string as the body as the underbody and it, okay it's great huh that sounds interesting um are you um doing a lot of euro nymphing with that that pattern i get the feeling you just talked about check nymphing so is that something you do a lot of I kind of just use that as an example, but um, I do nymph a lot, kind of more of the standard, you know, drop shot kind of rig or, or just standard nymph rig fishing, you know, two or three nymphs. I try to fish 
you know, two nymphs mo- mainly, but yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's talk sports. So now as a BC transplant in Alberta, this could go a lot of ways. Are you uh, an Oilers, Canucks, Flames, um, you know, Stampeders, Lions, who, Seahawks? Who do you pull for in the world of sports? Yeah, I uh, definitely Canucks. Um, you know, I, I don't follow a ton of other sports other than hockey, but, you know, a little bit of like UFC type stuff just, yeah. but yeah, Canucks fan. I, yeah, I definitely being, you know, a BC or in, in Alberta, I kind of feel like I'm in enemy territory a little bit, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But no Canucks for sure. Kind of raised on, on the Canucks and then, yeah. you know, it's going to happen one day. I, I don't know when, Yeah. You know, hopefully in our <laughs> lifetime. Oh man. I used to always yeah, go back. Crossed. I go Get back there. to the, those that well two game sevens in the cup final. That's two pretty darn good chances. It's like yeah, one day. Um, <laughs> if you had to distill down the biggest lesson you've learned on your fly fishing journey, so what what does fly fishing bring into your world? What do you take out of it? Yeah, for for me. Um... It's a very like kind of some days if I'm catching fish and it's exciting, then it's, it's a little bit different, but some days you go to the water and it's kind of slow, but it's still really nice. It's a, it's a meditative kind of, um, thing. You, you know, you're trying to figure this out. You're trying to put the, the puzzle together. It's, mm-hmm. um, gives a lot of clarity, right? It's just, it's, it really, you know, life moves really fast. It just, for me, it just slows life down a little bit and you get some perspective or get some time to, to get that perspective. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the lesson in from that is probably how important it is to have something like that and, and how fortunate we are to be able to go out and do these things. Yeah. When fill in the blank for me, man, when you're not fly fishing, you're usually doing what? Well, um, I do a little bit of climbing, a little rock climbing in the winter, ice climbing too. Um, fly fishing is sort of definitely taken the, the front seat in my life. Um, you know, in the winter, it's fly tying. I'm filling my boxes and, and you know, any, you know, close friends and family who message me wanting flies, I'll, I'll whip up a bunch of flies for them too. And, um, you know, sort of funds the hobby a little bit. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to make money or, be a commercial tire or anything i just you know it's an enjoyable thing to do and it kind of goes back to that meditative type thing yeah I, I know you know this like you you go whip out 24 flies and you know by the end of it you're probably in a pretty good mood probably pretty calm and you know yeah. maybe ready for bed <laughs> yeah. yeah i know exactly. 20 if i do 24 of anything i'm ready for bed because uh that's like i i that's not my tying style if i i don't know that i've ever tied 24 of any actually it's not true i did do it commercially years and years ago and i i hated it i'm like i just want to tie three i just want to tie six that's max for me yeah totally yeah but it's, yeah and i've kind of changed like i i uh I used to like just tie a lot of different like variations on everything and, and try to come up with a whole bunch of new stuff. And I've kind of transitioned into just, I'm going to tie, you know, 
just the flies that I feel confident in. And every once in a while, like with Chinook Winds, putting out a fly a month, that's, that's kind of the challenge. Like, oh, it challenged me to, to come up with something kind of original and, and that sort of thing. But for the most part, I'm a fisherman. I want to go fishing, you know. Yeah. And, you know, it's a time-consuming hobby, so. Yeah. Yeah, there's worse ways. Uh, worse I can ways. get it all done. There's worse ways to spend your time, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, if I can get it all done in the winter and just spend more time in the water in the summer, it's oh, man. beneficial. You're talking my language because I, I, I always break it down into seasons. For me, when I'm fishing, I want to be fishing. I don't want to be – I mean, maybe I'll take my tying stuff along on a trip, but, you know, then you're with buddies and you're trying to chill out and you're trying to relax. Honestly, I, I find it hard to tie on those trips. It's like – but it's January and there's a foot of snow. I'm tying like a maniac. Like, yeah, I, I don't sure. know if that's a northern thing or what. But for me, that's a season. It's it's kind of like November to March. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Tag on another month on either end of that for where I'm at, and uh, yeah, yeah, you've got yeah. long winter out here. But um, yeah, so my boxes are are overflowing with flies right now, but. You got more flies than fish, man. That's like, I, yeah, you start adding, yeah, that's a, <laughs> well, I think people, because um, we have listeners all over the planet, but um, the further south you go in North America, for sure, that season gets stretched a lot, and it's like there's almost no downtime. But for me, I always look at it um, kind of when you get, uh, you know, into the mountainous regions, and there's, uh, you know, anywhere that has a decent winter, it's a season, right? It's um you know, we do what we do, but it's like, it's a cycle and it's, it's a cycle I look forward to. It's like at the end of the fishing season, I'm a little sad it's over, but I get excited because I get to hit the bench again. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, uh, it almost makes it like, I'd love to fish 365 days a year or have the opportunity to, but you, you make, you probably make the most of it when, when you have a short season. Yeah, no, that's really well put. Um, what's the best job you've ever had? Are are you living that now or is it something else? No, it's definitely what I'm doing right now. It's, um, it's really cool. Like some, some, some days it's kind of grunt work, but it's work that has to be done to kind of keep, keep the, the parks that we work in and, and, you know, that the public plays in, um, clean and, and neat and tidy and that sort of thing. But, um, we get to do so many cool things and we have so many opportunities to, you know, we got backcountry cabins we can stay in that are by lakes that have, you know, a little cutthroat in them. So hmm. after your, your work is done for the day, it's like, okay, well, I'm not on the clock right now. So let's go fishing, you know, and, and yeah. you know, catch a, catch a few little fish on some dry flies and, and maybe, you know, maybe have a beer or something and then go to bed. So yeah, we're super fortunate. Talk to me about the species of fish that you're chasing because um, you've got some cooler water up there, so I would imagine it's a little more diverse than just bull trout and cutties. Yeah, like the the high alpine lakes um, here, like in this park, are mainly just West Slope cutthroat again, but um, there are there are a few other lakes kind of around. I mean like lower Kananaskis and upper Kananaskis lakes, they have rainbows in them too. And um, there, I think there's the odd lake that has brook trout and maybe mm-hmm. even a lake or two that has some golden trout. But um, hmm. 
for the most part around this this park it, it is just cutties okay I, I for some reason thought it in my mind happen. maybe there's some lake trout or you know char or 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 maybe even pike is that not something that's in your area yeah there's there's definitely waters around that have pike not not like super close to me um definitely if you look through like the fishing regulations there's many more sort of like other species lakes and that than there is like trout lakes like mm-hmm. it's you, you can't really compare it to you know the Kamloops area or something like that for trout lakes but um for the most part I kind of go after the trout that's kind of my my comfort zone so, I haven't dove into the the pike or anything like that yet I'd love to go try it but what are you fishing out of mostly? Is it mostly walk and wade? Is it, are you in, you know, if you're on a lake, are you fishing out of a, some type of a punt, like a small, uh, you know, um, shoot, the word's not coming to me, John boat. Um, what are you fishing out of? Yeah, I mean, for the river, the little rivers and that, it's all kind of walk and wade for me. Um, even, the, even the, you know, fishing the bigger rivers like the bow. I'm I'm walking and waiting. I I really like walking and waiting. It's it's. I mean, obviously, if I get a chance to hop on a drift boat, I'll I'll take that you know mm. opportunity any day. But um, once again, like walking and waiting, it's really intimate. You get to cover a piece of water super thoroughly. You're not just drifting by it. Um, then for the lakes, I've up until recently, and it's actually in Chilliwack right now. I just bought a little ten foot John boat. Um, nice. I just have to go pick it up. I've just been waiting for the restrictions to kind of ease off a little bit. And, yeah. um, but then before that, I just had a, I've got a belly boat for kind of the lakes you can't really access, um, with a, you know, vehicle, that sort of thing. And then I had a, uh, like an eight foot pontoon boat. So, yeah, perfect. That's, I mean, you can cover a lot smaller. of smaller, those vessels you just named. That's a big range. Yeah. Your ten, yeah, for sure. Your ten foot you just bought is that a Spratly, a Marlin, a Journey? What What did you pick up? Well, it's it, I mean, it's older, so I I don't actually really know what the the brand mm. is, but it's you okay. know it's a ten it's a ten thirty two. Oh, um, low maybe. Sounds yeah, like it low. might be a low or a Lumacraft or something like that. Like yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to get it for for kind of those lakes up near Edmonton there. Sure. And in even the bigger lakes here, as long as the weather's not going to be too crazy, because the lakes can get pretty rough pretty quickly. So right. you just got to be be smart about it and that sort of thing. So so a lot of our listeners would know the Bull River, have fished the Bull River, but probably not so much the area that you're fishing it. Further up, further, you know, it's more obviously mountainous, a lot different than in and around the Calgary area. Talk to me a little bit about the Bull River where you are. What, what's it like to fish? Um, so, yeah, like the, I guess the best known part of the Bull River is kind of below Calgary, right? That's sort of the, the blue ribbon yeah. section of it. Um, kind of the section that runs through Canmore, the upper bow. It, it's definitely not bad fishing. It can be just a little bit more difficult. I don't know if they, there's a you know lesser density of, of, of fish in the area, but um, it, it can be a little bit frustrating sometimes. But you, you just got to put the work in really, and and you know keep keep trying and keep trying other things. And um, 
Yeah, it's definitely it's it's not the same. It feels like a different river sometimes, for sure. And I, I don't I don't fish the lower bow that often. I know what's really good, but I'm up, you know, it's it's an hour and a half, two hours to get to the best part of the bow. So I'd right. more stick to the the smaller um say spring creeks and, and smaller mountain streams um for the for the bulk of my my fishing. I th- I think Sometimes people don't appreciate how big some of these rivers are that we have. Like we, we talk about the Columbia and I, you know, there's people talking about the Columbia down in Oregon, but guess what? I'm talking to somebody up in Golden that's, that's chasing bull trout and it's not the same animal, right? And, and the bow is no different. The further you get, you know, away from those slower moving waters that, that, you know, everybody comes to know you get into some of those alpine areas and honestly that's where my heart is i love that type of fishing it, yeah the fish aren't as big but they're plentiful and they're wild and it's pretty water yeah i mean you you cannot beat the backdrop of of the bull river that kind of goes through say like the canmore Banff area it's just it's spectacular like that's maybe one of the reasons why you don't catch so many as many fish you're just like looking up around and like oh my god this is so crazy like this is so beautiful <laughs> yeah so, they miss the odd take. Yeah, well, you know what? They're, they're, that's a first world problem right there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're chatting tonight with Adam Arnell out of Kananaskis, Alberta. He's a junior pro staff at Chinook Wind Outfitters. Uh, avid fly tire, ties up some beautiful patterns. Um, Big time fly fisher, climber, loves his craft beer and works for Alberta parks uh doing some trail maintenance so you know he's in a beautiful part of the world talk to me a little bit adam about your relationship with uh, chinook wind outfitters because we've had we've had susan on the show we've had quite a few um pro staff from chinook i know i know how passionate those guys are about um you know tying materials and kind of getting getting materials into the hands of people that are looking for them and, and, and being very, very helpful. What's your relationship like with that team? Yeah. So it's, it's a really cool thing to be a part of. And it's one of those things that it pushes me to be a bit creative with things. Like it's nowadays, it's hard to be creative. It's hard to put out a, a an original fly, yeah. you know, everything's a variation on something else, but you know, there's, there's lots of people out there that you, you know, you see a post and, on Instagram or you name the, the, the social media platform and, and you go, Oh, you know, why didn't I think of that? And that's, that's part of the thing that's cool with Chinook wins is everybody kind of, it's kind of a family, like everybody helps each other and everybody, you know, you can bounce ideas off people with, without any judgment. And, um, it was, you know, it was kind of funny how I, I, I got to be with Chinook wins. I, since I'm out of cell service, I'll, I'll, you know, I miss calls all the time. Every time I go, you know, I hit service, I've got a bunch of voicemails on that. And I had a voicemail from Susan and uh, she said, you know, call me back. And I, I, I hadn't really sent with her or anything like that. I obviously had ordered, you know, hundreds of dollars of fly tying material from her <laughs> and that sort right. of thing. But, um, you know, I, I called her, I called her right back and just I had a conversation and, she offered me uh, um, a chance to, to be with the, the junior pro team. And, and I thought that was a really cool opportunity and like something that, you know, I wasn't, I'm not looking for any uh, fame or anything from, from fly time. This is just my hobby and, but it, it's cool to be a part of. And then, um, yeah. you know, 
you got some of the best tires around with Chinook wins. I mean, I know you know that, but yeah. it's just, it's cool to be a part of that. And, and it, it's humbling and, and it, um, you know, for those people who are, you know, trying to get good at fly tying, getting to be a part of something like that is, is something that, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't take it lightly. I definitely try to put out a solid fly every month and, and promote their business because it is an amazing business too. And it's hard for, for fly shops and, and people right now, suppliers right now. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, I know, I know the, the, the tires you have in your stable, like we've had Ryan Ermit on the show. Um, I, I, I'm not sure, but is Trevor Tatarchuk also with you guys? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, you, you've got some, some really good tires in your stable and I, 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 I want to say um, Stan Jack. There's a ton of them. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, and and it comes up all the time. And we we I think I've had Trevor on the show two or three times, and uh, Ryan, and now yourself and Susan. And it's like, yeah, okay, I get yeah. it. There's uh, yeah. the thing that I liked about talking with Susan is how chill it was and how real it was. You know, it's not just business. It's like. Oh, you're into this? Oh, I try this. And, you know, it's like for me, it's it's somebody to bounce things off, and you know, there's only a yeah, handful absolutely. of companies like I think like that. There's there's a lot of fly fishing companies and and, and that we can buy from, but I know we're, we're pretty lucky where we're at because there's quite a few good ones. Yeah, and that's that's one of the main things with 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 Susan and with Chinook Winds is it's like I, I said earlier, it's a it's a judgment free. You know, we all have to start somewhere, you know, and it's the same with like the Stillwaters page and that sort of thing. It's you might see a, a chronometer or something that somebody posts and you go, OK, well, that can use some work. But it's obviously there's there's no you're not trying to knock anybody down. It's you're trying to bring them up like at yeah. the end of the day, an ugly fly is probably going to catch a fish just as well as a perfectly tied one. Like it, it might not be be, you know, one for one with that fly or something but you know everybody has their own opinion on that but as long as you're you fish it confidently you put it in the right zone you, you're giving yourself a pretty good chance well and i always think of it this way like when we start tying we get excited we do these patterns and it evolves over time your patterns always get better it's not like it's it's not like they stop getting better do you know what i mean so if you've been doing it for three four five years and you're like, ah, oh, this is the coolest pattern I've ever had. But you, you show it to somebody that's been doing this for 20 years and you're like, well, you know, that could use a little work. They're th probably thinking that, but at the same time, it's like, no, we need to encourage that and say, you know what, that's going to catch fish. And because the next one you put out, do you know how I always look at this and you'll laugh at them? But when I, when I, I don't know, I'm sure you have this, it's like a pile where you go, yeah, that's, that's not going to make the cut. And you start looking at the ones that you don't accept kind of into the fly box. And at some point you start looking at them yeah. and go, those are actually pretty good. I'm just being picky now, you know? Yeah. I like, like earlier I said, I kind of just stopped, like, well, not stopped, but I've, I've moved to just tying patterns that I have confidence in. And, and I, you know, try to, that's just me trying to narrow down, like, my fly boxes a little bit like i went to get in my belly boat the other day and and was going through my fly boxes i'm like i don't have enough room for all this crap like yeah. i i need to just narrow this down to a smaller number of flies that but i always have kind of a box of of 
misfits, you know, like flies that are like, <laughs> they look good, but I, I, I've never really, it's one of those, one of those boxes you pull out when you're having like a really slow day or something and you, you know, let's throw this variation of something on and, you know, next thing you know, you're into a big fish or something and, yeah. you know, that one becomes a staple fly. So I do always have like the, a few odds and ends, but for the most part, it's kind of, yeah, I do stick to a, a certain, certain patterns, but. It's a land of misfit flies, right? We all have it. I've got bags of them, and and sometimes I give them to buddies, and they tie them on. I'm like, I don't even remember tying that, but it's work, and I think I might need to duplicate that. But you know, yeah, it's uh, it's a funny, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. And this this actually reminds me of of something that uh, the name I mentioned earlier, Mike Ingalls. He uh, he's a fly tire and everything, and and one day on our May long fishing trip, he gave me a, like a Tupperware container that was like stacked full of probably what were his misfit flies. And I kind of went through them and went, Oh, this is cool. This is cool. And that probably definitely stuck with me in terms of wanting to learn how to, you know, tie flies one day. But Adam, let's talk about fly tying. Let's, let's dig a little deeper here. So talk to me about the, you know, what kind of, vice are you tying on what kind of tools do you like to use what kind of thread do you like to use kind of walk us through your setup a little bit well i think we might be going down the rabbit hole here but that's I'm, okay I'm um, good with that. i i <laughs> i tie on a ranzetti just a yep. good ranzetti traveler Me too. um i recently oh it's awesome i love it and you know i mean it's worlds better than what came in my original you know beginner fly tying kit right yeah so (laughs) even a small step above would have been better but i i spent the money and got something good because i'll probably never buy another one and i just upgraded to like a c-clamp on my table and mostly because i was going to do a bunch of uh, deer hair dragonflies that i wanted to really be able to put some torque on the thread and not pull the hook right or pull the vice right off the table that so you, sort of thing. So you prefer but, the C clamp to the to the pedestal? Yeah, for sure. I think so. Yeah, I'm with and you I on that. I kind of have it set up so it's more more kind of in my lap and not on the table, if that makes sense. Like oh it, yeah. It's, I'm kind of looking down a little bit, you know. Yep. And you got that waste bath. You can have that waste basket underneath, which I I like that. Yeah. Totally. I kind of just let it fall fall all over the floor, and then I clean it up after. But <laughs> yeah, I think you should challenge yourself to tie something with what's left over. The, yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, I just got to empty the vacuum out, and then I'll have probably everything I need. We'll call it the waste basket special. So <laughs> let's talk. Let's For talk sure. tools, man. Let's talk thread. What What do you? What kind of? What kind of bobbin are you using? Uh, I have a couple different bobbins. I think they're just kind of like the ceramic tip, Dr. Slick's pretty basic bobbin. Um, that That's kind of for like tying cronies and, and smaller patterns. And then I do have a have a right bobbin when I'm using like a GSP or a heavy, heavy thread. Yeah. You can really like, I, I watch a lot of uh, Kelly Gallup's videos on YouTube and the guy like is an encyclopedia on fly tying and I really like the way he, he kind of ties flies and goes through it. And, and, you know, he talks a lot about being able to 
you know, put a, put a marabou tail on or something where you just do, you do like three wraps of thread, but they're super tight and super precise and it, that's going to hold that tail. And so that right bobbin, it allows you to put a ton of pressure on, on those, those stronger threads, like the, the 140 deniers or the GSPs, that sort of stuff. So I really like it for that. I have, I have a right bobbin too, and I really like it. It's my favorite. Um, what about thread? So yeah, it sounds true. like you're using GSP. Are you using? Are you a UTC guy? Are you a Semperfly, a Semperfly guy? What What are you using for thread? I like trying new thread. I have obviously tons of UTC for for cronies and that. A um, little bit of, I think the UTC brand GSP thread as well. But uh, recently, I got a whole bunch of uh tech stream ADO okay. thread yeah. from Chinook and it's you know I've been tying cronies and stuff with that and nymphs with that and it's like it's just like the the text standard tech stream ADOT thread and it's just it's super strong and I, I'm really really liking it. You can you can still kind of flatten it out a little bit too and hmm. um I it's it's really nice I found for the smaller chronomid patterns like we're talking 18 two X. I don't tie much smaller than that just cause yeah. well, that's I, don't pretty know, small. I maybe don't have the patience, but well, I think, you know what? 18 two X. I mean, if you can't <laughs> cover it on that, I, I mean, there's people tying on twenties and I've done it, but it's, um, I don't know, man. So I, it depends on the water you're fishing, but I think if you're tying 18 two X, those are pretty small chronomen. Yeah. And I think at that point, like you could probably get away with fishing something else like a micro leech or something or. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, for some reason the thread thing really fascinates me. So, um, with Chinook wind outfitters, like, and obviously, um, you know, you're sponsored by them, you're using their products, but what, what do they carry? Like, do they carry UTC as well? Like, I, I don't really know the portfolio. So are they, or is it GSP or is it strictly um, the textile? I, I have not tried this this textile. I keep hearing about it. Um, haven't tried it, but is that yeah, something you, they carry? Definitely, definitely get some. It's yeah, text text stream. Text stream. Right? Sorry, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, but they they carry everything. They have UTC. They've got. I think they've got some Vivas stuff. They've got got, you know. If you want to get into tying steelhead flies and that, they've got all the fancy steelhead stuff, and and I haven't gone down that rabbit hole yet, but yeah, um, yeah they've got a little bit of everything, and it's it's nice because you can you can do an order and you can you know just throw us you know a common color that you tend to use, you know, for for chronomid guys, it's like a rusty brown or something like sure. throw a spool of a new kind of thread on, it's only a couple bucks, and try something out. Yeah. That, and that's, I'm always doing that. It's funny because the reason I like UTC so much is because they have so many different colors. Like, um, I'll be honest with you, probably the best one that I've used lately is that um, Semperfly, Semperfly Nano Silk. I suspect it might be similar to the one you're talking about. It's super, super strong, like the GSP stuff. You can't break the stuff, but it lays so flat. I can tie a 18 chronomid. There's no thread buildup whatsoever yeah i i think i have some some of that nano silk and like the 12 watt and it's yeah it's amazing for 
and I use it a lot for tying my leech patterns and stuff like that because you can really crank down on your materials and make yeah. a pretty durable fly, which is great. I find that stuff, it's hard on my scissors. Well, I don't even use scissors for the most part. I just use a razor blade, pull it tight, and kind of nick it with a razor blade because I find my scissors just, um, it, it chews them up. Yeah, absolutely it does. So that All that kind of GSP-type thread is, is pretty rough on, on scissors. Let's talk about... Um you know, the rest of your tying. So what kind of hooks do you like to tie on? Is there a specific brand you go to, like whether it's Tiemco or it's, uh, you know, Mustad or is it, um, what do you, what do you like to tie your, your most of your patterns on? Is there a go-to brand for you? Um, once again, I really like trying new hooks and trying to tie on like new shapes of hooks and things like that. But, um, I mean, for chronomids, Daiichi 1760, that style of sort yeah. of 2X long nymph hook is, is I, I just really like how strong those hooks are. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, they are strong. Yeah. You know, and that's big for me. But, um, you know, I was just saying, but kind of Shinoquins has a whole bunch of different hooks. And this is just kind of where I get my stuff one you can, from. You can get your stuff wherever you want. But, um they have a couple brands like Kona, Kona hook. Yes. Um, they've got some really nice, they kind of have that black nickel finish on them and, um, they're really nice. I really like their, I think it's their, it's like a streamer stonefly or something like that is the name of the hook. It's just a kind of a straight shank streamer hook, but it's got a nice bend and a really sharp point. That's kind of what I tie any like pumpkin heads and that sort of leech on. They're just a really nice looking hook. Yeah. I I just had when when you're talking about hooks, I'm gonna tell you my biggest beef with hooks is when the wire is too thin and I I pull down on a size 18 2x and it actually bends the gap closed, and I've experienced that a lot. And when you just talked about the I think it's da, Daiichi, those hooks are strong, man. So if you pinch the barb on them, you pull down on them, they're not gonna give. I find some of the um, I don't want to slam any brands here, but some of the ones that I've used in the past, I pull down on them and that gap closes and it's, or it breaks sometimes in, in the traveler. And I'm like, Oh crap. Well, you know, what's it going to do when you get a 10 pound rainbow on it? It's not going to hold up. Right. Yeah, for sure. And it's one of those things like I, I definitely have my fair share of cheaper hooks that I've tied on. And I just, if it, it's going to affect your confidence in the fly why not just just spend the extra whatever it is per hook and 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 tie on a on a nice stout yeah. good quality you know good good steel or whatever hook that yeah. that uh you have confidence in and you feel good about tying on it's also nice and i don't know the regulations in your area but where i'm at if you're fishing rivers or streams you have to be barbless so if if you're tying on a hook that's already barbless it saves you so much time it's just one less thing you got to do yeah i think we can fish up to three flies here i should i should double check that before i get too heavy into the season here but well, uh, see, i know three flies for sure you, you can fish see that's foreign to me we can only fish one but we got this weird rule if you're yeah. on your own in a boat say you can fish two rods which is like, yeah, I know, like it's bizarre, but um, I would almost, I would almost prefer that. 
Well, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. If you're on your own and say you're fishing chironomids, you can, you, you know, you can go different depths, you can go different colors, you can throw a leech on one, you can go naked on one, indicator on the other. I don't do it that exactly. much because when you get, if you get a double header, it's just a gong show and it happens more often than I'd like to admit. I, I have a hard enough time watching one, you know, indie, but it's, uh, <laughs> Yeah. You guys are lucky because you can you can put on that, you know, that uh, that ring with, a, you know, tippet ring with another fly or a swivel and, or just tie tie off. And, and that's something I can't do here. So I'm kind of and I know a lot of our listeners in the States can do that, too. So, um, yeah, it's just it's regional. Right. And that's that's another reason we got to check our regs because, man, they're changing all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. One thing, if if you're not reading the regs before every season, like I don't mind the Facebook groups where where you you can, you know, go on and ask if you have a have a you know a serious question or a question that you just cannot find the answer to. But a lot of the answers are out there to to whatever question you're gonna to ask. You just gotta be willing to go find it. Yeah, exactly. It's been asked. Sometimes we just like to be heard, so you throw it out there. But you're right. If you go back and you start digging, it's like, oh, 37 people asked that last week. Um, maybe I should come up with something different. But um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, anything else about your time setup we should know about? I mean, is there any other? Do you have a like a tool that's kind of maybe something a little different that you tend to use a lot? Um, um. I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I, I watch a lot of YouTube videos and I try to, I try to pick up on like the little things that people are doing. Um, you know, watching like a Davy McPhail tie. Oh man. Tie, you, you watch him tie something like a hare's ear, which is the most basic fly in the world. But it, it, you know, he's doing little tiny things that maybe he's not even talking about. And that's kind of where I pick up on those things is on YouTube videos is, you know, his, the work with his scissors that he does, like <laughs> how precise he is with things. It's like yeah. that to me, like I, I love with my hands and doing like carpentry and stuff like that. So I pick up on those things and yeah. he's just so good. He's, he's my favorite. Um, he really is. I watch his stuff all the time and you, I, I watch him with Jiffy markers and basically he got me buying yeah. white thread clear because I can make yeah. it whatever color I want. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like why well, have yeah. 37? Yeah, I do that. You know what I mean? Like, it's like thread blending. Yeah. Just give me a jiffy marker, man, and we'll make this happen. But he... I do that. I do a lot of bloodworms with with white thread and then color it with whatever color, you know, with red or whatever and yeah. do that way. And it kind of, I don't know, it seems that if you put like a super glue or, you know, or even a resin on, it, it kind of gives it a really, it gives it a different look than yeah. than some of the other patterns out there too, but. He, he's amazing. And if you guys haven't checked him out, Davey McPhail, check him out on YouTube because uh, he's a Scottish <laughs> older gentleman. And just the way he talks, kind of, it's like, you know what it's like? I don't know if you remember uh, Bob Ross and his paintings. It kind of puts me to sleep. It's just, yep. but it, it puts me in my happy place. But uh, when no, he. Oh, yeah, it puts you to sleep in, in like a good way. It kind of yeah, lulls you. Yeah, it's like that Sunday afternoon, put the golf on, have a glass of wine kind of thing. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm going down a rabbit hole here. Uh, I, I, I want to ask you to put your artist hat on talking to Bob Ross. Let, let, um, Adam, 
describe your dream day. So your perfect day. If you're heading out tomorrow, the weather's perfect, and where are you going? What you know? Don't get too specific. What are you throwing? Kind of paint us a little picture about your dream day. Yeah, for for me, I, I got to go back to kind of the the main long weekend and still water fishing for sure. I, I do have a lot of great rivers and streams around here, but still waters because it's kind of what I've grown up on. It, it's got that special place in my uh, in my life for sure. Um, so it's going to be a still water. I can I can actually I can picture what lake it'll be. It's not far from me, but I, I won't say any more than that. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. It's uh, it's not a secret, but kind of where it is 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 not the easiest to get to per se, and and that's part of the allure for me is it's it's it takes effort to get there, but once you're there, it's um, it can be pretty special. So it's probably I'll, I'll, on that lake in particular. I'd be in my belly boat, but. Um, and for me, it's going to be fall. Right. It seems to be the, the, I don't know, it's one of my favorite. I like fishing on a nice, cool, crisp day or it's a little bit chilly or whatever. It's, it seems to seems to get the fish going and, and that sort of thing. And if it's calm, then I'm probably fishing under an indicator. And it's going to be, it's going to be a leech pattern of some kind, probably, um, you know, maybe bloodworms too. I, I have a lot of confidence in a lot of bloodworm patterns. I seem to do really well on them. So, um, yeah. Are you fishing balanced leeches or are they vertical? I fish both. I have some some balance, and then I have some kind of tied on, right. like scud hooks, or even I've been tying a lot of the micro leeches on little jig hooks as well. Yeah, and you can. You can, uh, this is probably something I picked up on YouTube. I forget, it might have been Phil Rowley talking about it. Um, instead of tying your, your jig hook on with, uh, you know, the standard non-slip loop knot or whatever loop knot you use, just tie it on with a clinch knot and you can cinch that knot up tight so that those jig, um, jig hooks actually ride kind of like a balanced one. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Like. And plus the jig hook rides point up. So if you're in shallow water and fishing really weedy areas and it's just all the better. So on this trip, your favorite lake, you're fishing your indie, got a leech on or bloodworm on. Is there something, is there coffee to drink in the morning? How are you starting your day there? Uh, Starting the day. Uh, starting the day, I, I'm not a huge breakfast guy. I might have a wrap, <laughs> to be honest, but, uh, I'll generally, I'll bring some sort of cold beverage with me, whether it's a, you know, I, I'm obviously big into the craft beers, maybe too big sometimes, but, um, <laughs> some sort of craft beer, some sort of IPA, I'll bring a couple of those and have a good day on the water. A nice, nice lunch sort of thing. Yeah. Um, what about end of the day? Um, you know, you get back to town. Uh, you, is, are, is there a campfire involved? What, what, what does that look like? Yeah, the beautiful, the beautiful thing about where I live, and I'm once again super lucky about this, but I'm not far from this lake. <laughs> so, uh, and I've got a fire pit in the backyard, so I'll probably have some friends over and have a, have a little fire and maybe cook some dinner over the fire and stay up a little too late. And, and yeah, that, that that's kind of, 
put all those things together that I just mentioned, and that's probably the dream day right there. Are you an ale guy, an IPA guy? What are you drinking? I don't mind my hoppy beers. I like the IPAs. I like uh, I like kind of the citrusy yep. kind of IPAs as well, for sure. Yeah. I, I think I saw some of those on your Instagram. Yeah, for sure. If somebody wants to follow you on Instagram, see some of the uh, fish you're chasing in the Kananaskis uh, area, where do they find you? Yeah, so Instagram is just Adam Arnell 15 um, You know, I'm on Facebook and that too, but Instagram is really the best place yeah. to, to see any of that. You can go, uh, you can go on uh, ChinookWinOutfitters.com. Chinook and that's where all the flies of the month will be posted. I usually share any of their posts as well. It was pretty easy to track that kind of stuff down. And then um, recently, Stone Reels is another good place to find Sweet. some of my stuff as well. We, we had those guys on the show a long, long time ago. I'm going back a couple of years. Yep. Is it George? Yep. George and... George and Curtin George. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had them on, and um, just great guys. It looks, I, I, I love the look of those reels. How, how are you liking uh, fishing with those reels? Yeah, like I, I just got my first one in the mail, and I, I, I had to, uh, I got it, and I got home, and I was working on my truck or something like that, so I didn't even open the box, which is not like me, but I, I usually open that kind of stuff first and check it out. But uh, I pulled it out of the box, and. I was like wow like you know you don't know what to expect it's the first one and the machining on it is like it's like flawless it's they're, they're beautiful little reels and then yeah i'm super excited to uh put a little bit of uh abuse on it you know and really test it out but um so far so good i, I really really like it i seem to think their price point was pretty reasonable too it wasn't like way out in left field yeah, and that's kind of what they're all about is trying to give a, a higher quality product for a for a, a you know really reasonable price and and you know spend spend the money on 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 gas like going to your favorite lake not on not on you know you don't have to spend six hundred dollars on a reel just to yeah you know yeah. if you want to that's great that's you know that's what <laughs> it doesn't always my experience has been it doesn't always mean it's better. I mean, sometimes it is, but it's like, I don't, I know what you mean. That, that price point where those reels are, even in the fly rod space, it's like, yeah, you can spend crazy money, but you're not going to catch more fish. Is it going to be more enjoyable? Maybe, but I'll tell you when you break it, it might not be. And it's like, I I don't know about you, but like that, for me, that like 200 200 to $400 price point. That's a pretty sweet zone to be in. Yeah, for sure. And like for trout fishing, like do you need much more than that? I don't think so. Unless you're, you're getting into, you know, maybe going down to Argentina or something and chasing huge, you know, rainbows or something, or, you know, getting into saltwater stuff. That's maybe where I think you might want to spend a little bit more and get some a little bit higher quality but i mean in terms of what i saw come out of that that box the other day it's pretty high quality even for yeah. the price what what so your stone reel is attached to what what, what what's your go-to brand when it comes to fly rods um i've got right now it's attached to a 10 foot six weight uh echo logo 
Nice. Yeah, I've got, um, I've got the same rod. Do you? Yeah, I love it. It's yeah. not a fast rod by any means, I don't think. And it, but it's um, I love the longer rod. It was the first kind of longer rod I got. Yeah. And I'm super excited to try it, you know, out of the John boat and that, you know, for steering fish around anchors and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. and then I have another kind of nine foot, six foot eight echo rod too. And I have a few other different brands. I, I'm not really, yeah. you know, not sold on any one, but. Sure. I, it's funny. I, when you, yeah. I love the 10 on the still water, the 10 foot for me is a go-to. I will not buy anything shorter than a 10 foot, maybe a nine foot six, but as funny as it sounds like, I mean, I, I grew up fishing eight foot fives. I grew up fishing nine footers. And then when I got my first 10 foot, I'm like, what the heck? I should have done this years ago because we're throwing a lot of times indicators with weight and you're in the wind and you're trying to, it's not about, and some of the, where, where I'm at, some of these fish are big. It's like, you know, you need to be able to turn it over and we get some nasty winds and uh that's for me where yeah. and the leverage right so you it's a little softer tip usually in those chronomid rods and um yeah, yeah I, i'm with you i got the same echo and i like it and then that's that kind of price point i'm talking about but i mean i've had reddington's i've had sages i've had you name a brand uh g loomis uh uh i got a i got a uh orvis uh helios 3 which i love i mean i I love it but it's like i'm not gonna buy yeah. 10 i'm not gonna buy 10 of them you know what i mean it's like um yeah i actually broke the tip on it over the winter and i had the best customer service i've ever had so there is something to be said for that but um for sure I just, it, it's interesting to me. I love talking brands a little bit too. So, so yeah, Echo, yeah. Echo's in that sweet spot, you know? Yeah, and then I think, you know, the lower end of their, seems like maybe their, their um, models, it, you, you, it, it don't expect, you know, too much from it. But as you get up into that, that Echo Go kind of price range, right? I don't, I don't even remember how much it is, but you, you start to get into some, some really, really good rods and yeah. the high end rods from, from any brand are going to be awesome. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I mean, there's, there's, there's no wrong choices. Just, uh, look at the action, right? Do you like, do you like a faster action rod, a slower action? I personally prefer a faster action rod, but, um, that, uh, I would say that that echo is somewhere in between and I want to say it was around yep. 300 bucks. I don't know. That's yeah. It was like three, 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 three plus something. Yeah, like three fifty. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything about the sport of fly fishing you think we could be doing a little better at, or is there anything that kind of irks you in, in, you know, in in the world of fly fishing? Yeah, and this this kind of extends outside of fly fishing to just kind of general outdoor stuff and. You know, with with my job doing trail maintenance, it's we we're, we're pretty much like cleaning up the park, <laughs> and I think that in I think that um, everybody just in general, like whether you're you know fisherman, a hunter, hiker, camper, whatever, you do a, a better job at. at keeping that the places we kind of recreate and in, in, in clean and tidy and, and, you know, ready for the next sort of 
wave of of people coming into it you know the future generations and that sort of thing um it's one thing that i see a lot of because it is you know part of my day-to-day but it doesn't take a it doesn't take a lot to to make a difference you know one person can can you know next time they're you know next time you land your boat at the boat launch or whatever and you're you're having a beer after fishing whatever you can you pick up a few pieces of garbage and 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 you know tidy up a little bit and make sure you left it left the place or the lake or wherever the hiking trail or trailhead in better shape than it was when when you got there and yeah i think you know it, it a little bit goes a long way in these kind of things so that's no. one thing and it's not that people are doing a, a terrible job at it it's just you know in the park i work in we're seeing record numbers of, of traffic and, and it's just it gets to the point where it's like, oh my God, like, where does this end? Yeah. Well, as somebody that's living that day to day, I'm just curious how, how, how has COVID and, and, you know, the pandemic last couple of years, how has that affected the outdoor space? Because everything I'm seeing, it's busier, not, not quieter. Has that been your experience? Oh, I mean, you know, we're a provincial park, a small provincial park, and I think we had just as many visitors as an Banff National Park last year, and, and it, it was absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, so people are trying to get out and just get out of the house and get some fresh air and, you know, go sit in the sun for a little while and <laughs> that sort of thing. Like, And that, and I totally understand. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, if that trend is going to continue, then going to have to kind of increase the level of, of care that we're giving these, these places and then um you know any given trail that i go on it's i'm going to find you know a good solid you know grocery bag full of garbage every time i go out um huh. and that's just the stuff i'm seeing you know and i'm right. looking yeah yeah that i i gotta admit that drives me nuts and but you're in a you're in a part of the world that it really stands out it's not like you're in an urban setting. It's like, okay, there's a grocery cart in the, in the creek over there and, you know, a couple candy wrappers. If something is, is is I mean, Google, do a, do me a solid. Google can and ask us, hit images, and you'll see where Adam is. It's like, <laughs> I've it's, been out it's there. Calgary's, it's Calgary's playground. Yeah, it's, but it's beautiful. <laughs> you know? And I, I don't understand yeah. why people think it's okay to do that. It's like you wouldn't do that at home. Why the hell would you do it out there? But anyway. Yeah, I, for sure. Yeah. And it's it's not all it's not all intentional. Like yeah. sometimes, you know, something falls out of your bag or whatever. Yeah. That, that's one thing. But, sure. you know, when you – when you uh, you see like a bunch of stuff in one area or, or stuff left behind um, stuff, obvious stuff. It's just, you know, you know, the bear proof lockers that, that are at some country campgrounds and things like that. You find garbage in those. And then, you know, I'm, I'm happy to hike that stuff out, but yeah. I'd much prefer it if, if you just, you know, did what you're supposed to and then take that garbage out. Yeah. No, it's huge. And I, I think what you said there, um, leave it better than you found it. Because honestly, when you're in the middle of nowhere and there's a Coke can or a Pepsi can or whatever, just pick it up. It's, I mean, it makes you feel good, you know, and uh, it, it, 
it, it makes a difference. And I, I've seen that I've seen on small scales, if we, and I think that's the way we make an impact. It doesn't have to be big stuff, just the little things, you know, day-to-day stuff. You see some garbage, yeah. pick it up and it's, it's, you know, exactly. It's not, and that, that's why parks like this one have, have the crews that we do is to kind of handle the big stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time tonight. I I love talking to people that are passionate about what they're doing. I know you are very passionate about the outdoors, passionate about fly fishing, tying flies, and uh, spending time in Mother Nature. Thanks for doing this tonight, ma'am. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd love love to come back on the show, and, and it was great talking to you. Anytime you have anything to talk about, promote what you're up to, I'm happy to uh, to revisit it. And uh, do me a solid. If you're ever out in the interior of BC, you got my cell number. Give me a shout, and we'll, we'll chase some fish. Absolutely. That, let's do that. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for doing this. We've been chatting tonight with Adam Arnell out of Kananaskis, Alberta, junior pro staff at Chinook Wind Outfitters. He's a fly tire, fly fisher, climber, and loves his craft beer in Kananaskis country. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.